is a fireside chat live at PitchCon, pitcherlist.com slash PitchCon. By the time you listen to this, it might be over, but go watch the videos on YouTube. They're going to be on the PitcherList YouTube pretty soon. I am joined, as always, by the fire by Nick Pollock. Nick, good morning, sir. What is happening? It has been too long since we've a proper fireside chat, and uh, I wasn't going to allow this to get bumped from PitchCon. Not, not allowed. That. We had to oh, work some things, but hey, we got it done, and you know, again, by the time a lot of people listen to this, if they're listening to it on the sleeper and the bust feed, the special guest will have already happened. But we had to move this because a, a big event is happening on is. Saturday, January 27th. Obviously, you're not going to spoil it, but uh, I believe you have a big chat, maybe another fireside chat with a uh, with a particular pitcher. That, are you, how excited are you by that? I am very excited. Um, I think the chat will be very excited as well. Um, I mean, this is this is a pitcher that I... Uh, you know, I, I've said that it is a mystery pitcher. I think uh, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of what their mind is uh, going through on the hill and um, just really the developments that they've had. Uh, and it's just a really fun time to be able to sit down with a player and really get all their insights. So I, I am very stoked for that. But I'm also really stoked for this podcast because we haven't really talked much about our stances yet. Uh, We've certainly done it a ton separately. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't really even know where we are differing on certain players right now i have not dove into it either just yet you know i put my pitcher ranks out uh, a couple weeks ago i know you had a big one early right after the offseason when is your next it big so update wrong. shortly after it the is super so bowl? wrong now it's so funny uh it is is actually the week before the super bowl so when plx Excellent. comes out the update update yes pl10 we skip nine because that's what all the cool tech companies do there's no iphone nine there's no window. Are you serious? I didn't yeah. know that. That's cool. So, so pitcher list is technically this is our tenth year of tenth season of pitcher list, eleventh in total, and uh, PLX. Yeah, right. Exactly. 2014. So a PLX is what we're calling it, and yeah, I'll have my full top 300 out then, which Ooh, is I think the longest 300. article technically I've ever written. I think it's something like a hundred thousand words or something. That's stupid. incredible. <laughs> used to do that with the SP guide, and I don't oh know who God. that person was. Yeah. who used to write a hundred plus thousand words uh, an it's off season, Saul, but Saul Porter. That's Saul Porter's problem, dude. That guy. <laughs> that guy's crazy. Uh, but you know, the guy that that you are going to talk to later today might be a part of this type of conversation next year mm. because we're talking rising, interesting pitchers and. Yes. It's actually a little bit of a mixed bag. I, I almost said rising young pitchers, but one of them actually isn't young. And that's kind of an, another just quirk because I think he's seen as a bit young because of his lack of volume. We are talking about Tyler Glass now, Yoshino, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, and Tariq Skubal. Yeah. These three pitchers are going 11, 12, and 13 in that order. Glass now, Yamamoto, Skubal wow. in drafts this offseason. Wow. Among starters. And they're all top 50 picks and one of the things it's it's intense one of the things i wrote you know when i when i was doing the write-ups i was like have we ever had an 11 12 13 that has like a combined 200 innings from the previous year like the risk here like i totally get it with all three but my goodness the the absolute premium that you have to pay to get these three they're both going ahead of just to name two names, you know, that are kind of like an NLAL lefty righty version of each other uh, on the other end of the inning spectrum. They're both going well ahead of Framber Valdez 
and Logan Webb. Mm-hmm. And right, like just juxtaposing the, those two against those three, it's crazy. It really, really is. So I want to talk about how the two new Dodgers and our boy Scooble with my Tigers um, are looking for this year. And if people really should be investing that highly in these potential aces when at that price point, they really have to be something special. So let's start with Glass now. He sure. is the earliest. He's the one that I was hinting at that is not young. He's 30. Not that that not that 30 is ancient. Wow. But he but he feels like That's almost mid 20s still, right? <laughs> because he has so few innings. He reached a career high 120 last year. 120, Nick. He now goes out to the Dodgers, which I know raises his profile, but I'm not sure it necessarily should that much, if only because it's not like the Rays aren't amazing with pitchers too. Right. So we know the Dodgers are, but he's going from one great organization to the other. At age 30, they had to pay him in addition to that trade. Where where are just your general expectations with Glass now as he enters his age 30 season with only two pro seasons, MLB seasons, over 100 innings? I think I saw this on Reddit where someone said, uh, I think Tyler Glasnow's career, he has about like 530 innings. And then since uh, since 2016, when he came up, Bartol Colon is like only 60 innings below him. I, I believe it. And again, <laughs> like that really... 80 or something like that. That completely and, underscores things. Oh my gosh! You know it, it's that's absolutely bonkers. Um, I, I think I said it earlier in PitchCon. I think that you agreed with it. Um, was that um for this year, especially at the value of a Ryan Pepio, I'd rather have than Tyler Glass now, right? All day, I love like, Pepio. And, and something that's I find so interesting that I've really jumped into this year is just understanding pitch shape and approach with certain fastballs. And it really shocked me to find that the Dodgers are not as in on high four seamers as I thought they would be. Like Pepio and Bobby Miller and Walker Bueller, they all have these four seamers that would really play up upstairs, and they just don't. They love the low four seamer more, mm. which is super interesting for Pepio going over. I mean, Glasnow is going to do Glasnow things. Like he's not going to say, "Oh no, maybe the Dodgers are right about low fastballs like the Pirates were." Uh, no. no. So he's going to continue to do that. That's fine. But it just kind of makes me think of like just the Dodgers as a whole. Like, okay, what is their real? Uh, they're trying to go down a way. This expected slugging is a little bit lower, but uh, it's kind of strange. Anyway, with Glasnow, it's it's so risky. I can't do this. I, I just can't. There's no way the guy it's is going to get hurt pick. in some way. It's and a top it just 40. Like, I get it. Like 30 plus percent swing strike rate. You have the best situation now in, in Dodgers. You know, it, it's more so even than the Rays, I would say, because of likely more innings per start. And, and win um, probability is higher, even right, though the Rays are good themselves. Better defense, too. Yeah. Um, but, the, but the thing is, it's going to, it should be a six man. It legitimately should be a six man. They've already hinted at right. it. Uh, right. Je- Jeff Zimmerman had it in a mining the news, which yeah. caused me to put put a little bit of caution on some of these guys. It makes sense, especially as they've become, uh, this is a little bit of a dated reference because this team's no longer good in basketball, but the Spurs kind of started the workload management stuff in the mm-hmm. NBA of kind of getting to the playoffs, right? The playoffs were basically guaranteed. So let's get there as healthy as we can. We've seen it take over the NBA. I think the Dodgers are a team in the Rays themselves that can kind of do that over the course of the regular season because they're gearing up for October. But when you look at somebody like Glass now and you see his 6'8 frame and the consistent injuries that he has, 
to you, are those two related at all? It's possible. It, it absolutely could be. Um, I mean, it, it, literally like Judge and Stanton, these are massive dudes too. Mm-hmm. And it's just always there. Um, there's also something that was, I found really interesting that Eno said yesterday uh, during the craft, which was uh, that guys with large extension are more inconsistent, right? And it's like oh. these guys that can't get these secondaries working right. And uh, I mean, it makes sense like long arm circle essentially mm-hmm. also leads to extension and stuff because since you have the longer arms, you're going to have you know, the end of it too. Um, and I do wonder if there's something to be said about more moving parts like that then all of a sudden turns into more ridiculous whipping action yeah. and all of that. Uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's like Tyler Glass now, look, we want to think that he's going to be able to do a 200 strike editing or a season or something like that, right? And I, I, I can't get out of my head that he's still a volatile guy. Like he does not surgically take down batters. He's a thrower. His four seamer does not have unreal elite swing strike rate stuff, right? It, mm-hmm. It's like 12 to 13% swing strike rates on his four seamer, not like 16% or 17%. And the curveball, which we love to quote ex Woba, or sorry, not ex Woba, just Woba, like, look, it doesn't allow all this damage. Yeah, because he throws in the dirt and often into his strikes and like, you know, he gets the, the low woba because those are strikeouts. Exactly. Um, so it, it's a little different there. Uh, and the slider is so good. Uh, don't get me wrong. That's like the pitch that changed the glass now and fixed them. Yes. But I can't do that. 11. You can't either. Like, where, where no. are you going to actually jump in on this? Uh, I'm, 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 I don't think I am with. Spiegel, yeah, right. It's just, it doesn't even matter ranking him because, like, we're not going to. I mean, it. with yeah, glass now, excuse <laughs> me. But yeah, like, it, it, that's the, it's, and it's, then it becomes that battle that I've, you know, been tackling ever since I started doing fantasy rankings that were public. How much do you rank him relative to where he's going versus literally where you're yeah. going to take him? Right. Like he was 12th on my list. Am I going to take him 12th? I don't think so. So then is that a disingenuous ranking? I know Nick, uh, uh, excuse me, Justin Mason and I have had that debate before. Like, should you rank guys where you would take them, where they, are kind of going-ish, where they're going to be. How do you do that? I get the excitement. I really, really do. I would take another one of his teammates ahead of him. I've had a glass now in Miller. This is oh, not yeah. a segue Bobby into Miller, Yamamoto. 100%. I'm 100%. fully in on him as as the next great ace. Um, with, with glass now, before we move on to his other new teammate here, are you concerned at all by the one-mile-an-hour drop? in velo last year i know that that's usually uh, the the marker once it gets over a mile a mile an hour or more that we say hey there's a little something here my guess is no because it was his highest innings it was still an amazing season but i just want to ask it dropped from 97 pretty consistently uh down to 97.6 and then 90 to 96.5 last year Uh, any concerns there on the velo no i mean uh i i really did not notice uh we've seen fluctuations from guys also at that level, like Luis Castillo or Zach Wheeler, doesn't really matter. I think when it comes to like ninety-seven versus ninety-six, bigger margin um, for error. And you're right. Um, I mean, like with Jesus Lazardo is a little different of uh, going from like ninety-five point five closer to ninety-six point five than ninety-seven. Same with Carlos Rodon, but Eno's really talked about this a ton about really ninety-four and then ninety-five is a big jump. And once yes. you get ninety-five and above. Then it's like okay, this really doesn't have as long, large, um, large of an impact. Not to mention, again, that fastball to for Glasnow wasn't really always the thing. Um, it seems like it would be, but it's yeah. really that's just a setup for the other stuff. 
So that difference to me isn't like, oh no, now he doesn't have this weapon anymore. I mean, I, I, good. I agree with that. It's, it's just really an impact. Yeah. I, I haven't heard anybody talking about it. I think it's understandable why, because point. once you are over that 95 threshold, as Enos pointed out, it is, you do have more wiggle room. Uh, I said that was the last thing. I do have one more thing. Yeah. As I understand it, projections are generally middle, you know, the middle, the, the, the median right. idea of where they can be. How does every projection have him except for zips? Dan Zaborski has him at 118 in the third. How does Steamer have him at 154 innings? Where are they getting that from? I'm not here to blast. I like you Steamer. Know, I'm just confusing. curious where that comes from. Career high, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, w- I would imagine that uh, what you see is essentially you have, let's say it's three years or so. You have an injury gap in between. That's kind mm-hmm. of me- make it messing up. And then you normally think, cool, after this 120, then there's growth. Think of it like a rookie or something yeah. like that. So I imagine that's where that's coming from. Um, I think you can build it, on it. Right. Uh, and, you know, it's not really out of the question. There was a quote of Talia Glass now saying like, oh, yeah, they fixed the things that have really been bothering me for years. And so now I feel like I'm much more myself than I used to be. Okay. Good old best shape of his life kind of stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Um, by the way, we do have some breaking news of Hector Neris. Everyone at, at PitchCon is going to the Cubs for one year, Ooh, nine million. That's a, that's a nice pickup. But anyway, I will take that out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's not game changing, but it is nice. It's not game changing, but there you go. The the Yankees were apparently in on that a little bit. So there you go. Good old Cubs doing another thing. Add them to the grade of that. Uh, green the off offseason moves with Petriello and Towers and uh, Wilkins. Um. Anyway, I. When it comes to just the, the projections of Glasnow, it's like, I can't buy into it. And mm-hmm. it's just, all right, that's the hardest thing that we do, right? Predicting volume and plate appearances. Yeah. And as long as you understand the the per plate appearance um, expectation or the per at bat, whatever you want to do, or per inning. Um, yeah, we all probably think like it's wish casting for 140 every five days or every six yeah. days for the Dodgers this year. And- and that's the allure of Glass now, though. He is arguably the best per inning pitcher since he became a Ray. It's right. just that it's come in 61, 57, 88, 7, and 120 innings. Right. And then think about it this way, though. This is Eric Samolsky was talking about this and kind of convinced me is inside of a 12 teamer, there's a lot more value because the, yes. um, the gap, like a 15 teamer and all of these, uh, and it actually really surprises me that so many people are in. On Glasgow, because we're using NFBC ADP yes. for this, and that's 15 teamers. A lot of those are like draft champions, too. That's exactly um, what I'm using and, as the uh, draft champions. And really, that kind of format is hey, we want to get guaranteed value more. Mm-hmm. And the gap between the replacement is much lower. But when it's higher in a 12 teamer, there's more appeal for Glasnow because it is Glasnow plus a replacement. Now, the replacement obviously isn't an ace. But, but it could be, be a lot, down in, in, a lot in more space. likely. Right. And it's more beneficial, which then means that, great, I'll take the higher quality. Um, you know, that, that makes it more valuable to get Glasnow. So to hear 11 in those deeper formats, and it's like, is that, should I have him like top 15 in the 12 team? I just can't do it. It's too risky. You it's, don't need to take risk. It, you don't it, need it, to do it. it. Like, I get it, because yeah, Justin Mason uh, harps on this, too, and says, you know, I'd rather take uh, a guy like this in a 10-12 with waivers, because in the draft champions, too, if he does bust again, if Glasnow does go belly up injury-wise, that's a dead spot. 
Right. Like you can't get rid of him in a 50 round draft and hold. And yes, you got 49 other guys. But as we talk about all the time, when Justin and I are talking about draft champions, it, it sneaks up on you quickly. You get uh, two guys demoted to the minors. You get yeah. three injuries. You drafted a prospect who you didn't expect until June. And then boom, you can't fill a position. So I agree that like I'm more willing to take the risk on glass now in a shallower format. But pitcher 11, pick 39 oh is still so much. No so let's let's move on to his new teammate who's coming over from Japan, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Now, the question with him is just the unknown of right. coming over to the states it, I, in some ways it's a much more difficult question because it is so wide open we have you don't know personality of how people are going to react to something like that comes over he's a you know, giant superstar in japan he's going to be a giant superstar here it seems like stats are unimpeachable over overseas looks like absolutely the real deal coming over at 25 you know Shohei kind of started a little something there coming over young now we get Yamamoto at a young age what what are we expecting here obviously goes to an excellent team can Yamamoto be somebody who hits the ground running right away that you would be interested in at pick 44 pitcher 12. yeah of these three I'm most intrigued I think in Yamamoto uh it does feel the safest of the three. Yes, and that because doesn't have injury hangups the way right. the other you two don't do. Have injury hangups, and there are some critical things of Tarek Skubal that I'm like, I don't know uh, if I actually am as high as it used to be. Um, that's Aww. a fun conversation. I know, I'm so sorry. That one's coming up next. Yeah, um, but uh, I wonder actually if you agree with me on it. Um, but with Yamamoto, it's such a good, again, team context. It, it's important to really temper the expectations of volume um, because not only is he coming over from Japan where he's used to, of course, a longer rest. Um, not only week. is this whole six, uh, six man rotation thing that we're thinking is going to happen, but also keep in mind the Dodgers have him for 10 years. Yeah. And that means that they are not going to push like treat this like a prospect almost at 24. I mm-hmm. uh, right. They're not going to just say, oh, cool. Now here you got your free agent signing like a normal one, like a NOLA or something. Great. Now we need you to be our workhorse of six, seven innings every time. Like they are going to be careful with Yamamoto. So, and they can afford to be, right? Exactly. Because again, it's They're a buck 62. The <laughs> They're going to get the playoffs almost assuredly. Yes. So they don't have to push them. They want these two standing upright in October. That is the most important thing. Yeah. So I exa- exactly right. You're not going to get more than 150 innings. You can't really expect that. That's so how I feel. For those in deeper leagues, it's fun, but you're probably not going to get as much volume as you'd want. And you say, well, okay, what's the difference between like 180, 150 innings and 200? That's 33% impact of ratios. That's huge. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a huge deal. Um, and, and somebody, pardon me to interrupt you, yeah, go ahead. but somebody like Nola, who you talk about, is going after him. And that guy's a workhorse. And I know he has ups and downs with the ERA, but like bankable innings when when talking about Aaron Nola. And, and I mentioned Fromber and Webb. Like, those are three guys back there that are going after all three of these dudes that are innings. Now, maybe maybe the play is take one of these three with one of those three, and mm-hmm. you can balance it a little sure. bit. But these price tags are Or then insane. you can just get a really good hitter and then just get the other Exactly. Get the great hitter in the top 50 and then get your Nola, Fromber, right. Logan Webb for 180-plus innings. Obviously, the pushback on NOLA is that, well, the ERA impact at like 200 innings. And if it's a four or five ERA again, then True. Like, wait, that's really bad for me. 
totally get that one. Um, I have some theories about Nola of like, hey, he has really good extension and much better VAA than you would think. I mean, actually, you probably should think it because it is a low arm angle. So he should be throwing high four seamers. And why isn't he doing this? And it drives me up the wall um, that he doesn't because he could actually soar with that pitch upstairs and that's fewer home runs. And then the curveball gets better and so on and so forth. Um, and also, it's an even year for him, for Nola. So he's fine. Uh, it's time, yeah, it's time for him yeah, to it's b- easy. bounce back. No problem. But really keep in mind, too, let's say you say Yamamoto gets a strike at it in inning, which is, I think, slightly conservative based on what we've heard. Maybe sure. close to like 27%. Strike everything like the 24-25 that is a caper inning. But let's just say it's a caper inning and we're saying 150 innings. That's 150 strikeouts. And Nola, we're like 200. Again, 33% gap of of strikeouts. That's huge. Yep. That's a lot. Uh, so I, I am more in on Nola for this reason. I even Webb, like he will help. But yeah, even Webb too, same idea. Um, 194 no. Ks because he gets so much volume and we talk yep. about his K rate, which matters. But when you're piling up 216 innings, the the, the K total is what really matters at the end right. of the day. And he gets there with a buck 94. I love Logan right. Webb. So, you know, I keep harping on these three because I love all three of these, these workhorse guys. And these other three really scare me. But I do agree with you that Yamamoto is my my safest of the bunch, which feels weird for a guy who's never touched a major league diamond, or at least for a major league game. I'm sure he's been over, maybe he's been over here for uh, exhibitions or whatnot. Or WBC, he was here? Was the WBC in the States for him? I think so. I'm gonna say oh, yeah, because yeah. Yeah, it finished in the States. Duh, I'm yeah, an idiot. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, his stats, like like I said, unimpeachable, disgusting over in the MPB. He won the their version of the Psy, I think, two years running. He's been untouchable. You talk about the 150 innings. Do, does he bring any concerns with him from a performance standpoint that you share? Or do you think he can be a low threes, maybe even sub three ERA, great whip, good Ks, good win potential? Are the skills there for Yamamoto that you think, even if it is 140, 150 innings, that they will be pristine or close to? Yeah, I mean, there's no real concern, honestly. My understanding is uh, four great pitches, great command, doesn't walk, yep. guys. Like, four-seamer is great, is splitter's great, cutter's great, curveball's great. Like, it's all just like, yep, he should be good. And also throw in the Dodgers of just their defense is going to help. That's just how it is. Um, when potential will be there. Like, it, it's all what you would want as far as skills go. I don't know if it's going to be like a 30 to 35% ceiling of striker rate. Probably not. but yeah, 25 to 30 percent range of strikeouts like that's phenomenal so yeah no the skills to me are i would be really disappointed if we saw like high threes um close yeah. to four era if we saw like a 120 whip or something like that i'd be pretty shocked the, the the only thing that maybe would be there is if you know we talked about the ball difference between japan yeah. and the majors if that gave him some fits to maybe influence some homers off of yamamoto because otherwise i just don't see how it doesn't work and that's how right. i ended my little write-up with him was like he almost seems just too good to fail. So yeah. his price point, I get a little bit more than glass now's, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Now let's jump over to my my tiger. Yeah. Because yeah. I love Tariq's Google, obviously. <laughs> I have pretty much from, from Jump Street. He is a tiger. That is my favorite team. I was pretty stunned to see where the where the buzz was. And it, and it came home to me very quickly at the Arizona Fall League first pitch conference that we were at talk of the town 
price through the roof already. And I'm like, wow, I thought I was going to be the, the, the big guy here putting him as a top 20 type starter. Turns out I was behind the curve, big time, mm -hmm. big time behind the curve, Nick. I'm like, oh, 20, <laughs> look at me. I'm going to get my scuba shares. Yeah, right. How about you get zero of him? If you have him at top 20, he yeah. is 13th. Now, one of the best second half finishes of the year. I will say this between he and glass. Now, at least he has a full season under his belt. Uh, of taking 29 turns in a rotation. It was still only 149 innings, but he took the turns every fifth day. And that's a big deal to me. Uh, 118 innings in 2022, only 80 last year because of the injury. Scooble now being treated like a premium ace. Sounds like you can't really get there. What's your initial assessment of Scooble when you hear that he's a top 15 starter? Off the it's draft really board? funny. I like, I was, yeah, I think I had. Oh, I had Tarek Scooble at like 15 or something or 16 in first pitch Arizona. Like when I had original October ranking, I was like, yeah, Tarek Scooble, Tarek Scooble. Do you realize that his fastball four-seamer had like a 72% strike rate? It was like 100th percentile and one of the best swing strike rates in the majors. Like across the board, all these percentiles, 99, 99, 98, 100 on this four-seamer. I was like, well, it's clearly one of the best four-seamers in the game. And then, I mean, really my big thing this offseason is really two that I've changed a lot of just like simplifying the approaches of me doing assessments as much as I can. And the two I've really leaned into is, okay, four-seamer shape. I need to understand this better um, because it's just such good information, such a, like, I, I think the most telling one was understanding Wasker and Noah because this was like a year or two ago. Like, he, he throws so hard, but I just would always see the results being so bad for Wasker, you know, his fastball. And why is that? Oh, terrible extension, terrible IVB terrible VAA like this makes all the sense now right I get it uh mm -hmm. why even the velocity is there you know it's uh the shape is just so bad um Eric Loggenhagen talked about the same thing about like how it's possible that uh velocity guns like in stadiums maybe ruined scouting a little bit because that's all they cared about for a moment yep and then that um is true instead of looking at the actual shape of these pitches so I didn't really have my enlightenment truly until Kyle Bland had his POV app and really got into it when it came to individual pitches that we have now. And I, uh, it's not good for Tarek Skubal. Um, what, is what isn't good worse. specifically? The fastball shape? Extension, the uh, IVB and the VAA are all like average, if not below average on his four seamer. And that shocked me because that thing performs so dang well. So, so what do you do when there's a disconnect there? Because right. Stats... I, I'm conflicted. And there's two stories you can say. You can say, okay, uh, why is that fastball performing as well as it is? Or maybe it's okay. It's like beating that kind of stuff because he's throwing 96 as opposed to 94 mm -hmm. on that four steamer. And it's from the left side, which then plays up a little bit higher from the left side than it does on the right. It's just not seen as much. It's just a little more confusing, all that kind of stuff. There could be that. It could also be that it was an 80 inning sample that he had adrenaline coming back from Tommy John that he played a pretty weak schedule as well. Um, and that is a little more Occam's razor to me uh, of like, that's just a simpler explanation for it than just yeah. saying that this is like the exception that really beats out all the pitch shape stuff. Now there's another explanation you can throw in, which is, well, the rest of his repertoire is so good that it really promotes this four-seamer. And also his locations are just that good. 
Mm-hmm. Locations are actually not that great. Like he was really good at first, and then he got much worse getting more in the zone and being more hittable um, with the forcing, which is kind of terrifying. What is the repertoire for Scooble? Well, I think one of the other explanations could be his changeup is amazing. It's like it turned into this elite pitch that is so good against righties. And yeah, then all of a sudden that makes a four seamer look that much better because of the velocity gaps. And it's just they don't know which one is which, which means he can get away with it in the zone more. That's pretty cool. But then that's it. I don't like his slider at all. It's like a cutter. It's like a 10% swing strike rate pitch. Like this is not the main thing. The curveball is very inconsistent. No, it was the change up. Fa- change up fastball that that drove him in that really order for Scooble in it. that second half. Yeah, and um, the other thing that I'm looking at a lot more these days, which I don't really have on the top of my head for Scooble, is lefty-righty splits. And I'm really, as much as I can, especially in the offseason, because it's really hard to just take that time in the uh, during the season uh, to really understand what they throw in left as against lefties, what they throw against righties. Mm-hmm. Offseason, I can take my time and really grasp it more. He had a 200-point OPS split, by the way. Favoring nice. his work against lefties. Only so, 42. Yeah, only faced example. 42 lefties. And the thing is, he doesn't have the slider, right? He, he has a, a cutter really against mm-hmm. them, which isn't very good against lefties. So it is interesting to me that he doesn't have the big nullifier that you normally see as a lefty on lefty, which is a slider down in a way or a better curveball. And against the righties, yes, the changeup is so good. I think the fastball gets worse. I think the velocity comes down a little bit. And I don't think there's going to be that development with that slider, which makes me still in on Scooble. Like, I think he's still going to be productive. But 13th? Yeah, the 13th Like, pitcher. I can't do that. Uh, I have him around tough. like 20, 24, or something like that right now. It, it's it's really difficult to pay these premiums. I'm pretty excited about Scooble. I wonder... Does reputation of lefty-lefty save him a little bit there? If you're worried about mm. his arsenal against lefties, sure. just the fact that a lot of teams are still going to sit a couple key lefties against a premier guy like this, right. will that maybe protect him a little bit? I know it's hard to bake that into like a projection, but what do you think? Because he only faced 42. That that number surprises me. To yeah. 268 played appearances against righties for Scooble. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty hilarious, right? That's uh, crazy. Even for a small sample, that's crazy. You got to think that Scoobles doing something like you can't just settle with this cutter uh, and it's labeled as a slider. It's a cutter. Um, and what's uh, your cut? Not pun intended. I guess what's your cutoff there between <laughs> the between the two? It's Velo I usually and movement. Thank okay. you. I'm here for it. No, I mean, it's yeah. The movement profile just is not aggressive enough. Yeah. Um, and that's really why I'm calling it that. Uh, it just I mean, you can even see from the result. And this is the thing that like. Over the years, I don't know if you've done the same thing um, where I wouldn't really look at shape that much because I always just felt that the results would, for the most part, tell you mm-hmm. if it's good or bad. Like with the Watsky, no, I'm like, oh, I understand it now. Sure. But like I could have just said the fastball is bad and it is. Yes. Um, and it's kind of been difficult for me. I'm being like, well, OK, this fastball is just so good. And but the results are right. And like. And but with that cutter, sorry, slider cutter, the same thing. It's like it's such a low swing strike rate. You never see sliders at like a 10% swing mm-hmm. strike rate, especially against lefties as a lefty. It, like mm, something's wrong. <laughs> and I think, again, anecdotally of watching Scooble start to start, he'll rip off a few that are legit sliders, but then it will tighten up there where you're like, that was a bad one. That was a bad one. That was bad. One. There's a good one. That was a bad one. That was a bad one. Like, yeah. like you'll get the one that, that sweeps really nicely. And then you'll get those little wink, wink, wink. And they're not, 
they're not that impressive. Get back to the changeup type deal as you're watching the game. What was that noise, by the way? The, the, wink, the, wink, the, wink. That's when it cuts. Yeah. That, yeah. Every every David Robertson pitch goes wink, 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 because it's just a little cutter. That's <laughs> W-E-E-N-T, wink. Wink, wink, wink. So, so wait, so are, are you, do you still have Scooble, you think, at 20? I actually moved him up, but again, that was in the like, am I moving him up to match ADP because I'm right. in on him versus where I really feel. My next update that's going to go out is going to actually start shuffling some rankings, and he got moved down to 19, and Yamamoto actually jumped up, mm-hmm. took Glassnow's spot. Glassnow and Scooble so, both came down. What's that? I haven't done mine yet. So I don't know yet. I mean, I could be saying all this stuff, but it's like rankings are weird because innately I'm like, well, this is a guy who should be here. But then I look at everyone else. I'm like, well, all of them should be here. I still like uh tiers. Like that's why I like tiers of talent because, you know, you can take different guys there. But he's even in this tier, though, it's a mix of guys that have done it versus pretty scary guys from for my tier at least like grayson rodriguez was in there bobby oh, miller's in there like there's there's some fear so about those there's a, two. Big, there's a big difference between those guys between uh for me now i used to be really in on grayson well let me get a little and, grayson action uh, in here then it's a little detour we didn't plan on this oh but yeah no we, you're we, not we never moving. really we always detour sport we, That's ha, why we have a framework it's that. a skeleton yeah. that's what we always say the cool backup plan here now uh, the yeah. birth of the fireside was a brilliant half season by Luis Castillo. Right. Uh, have you learned from that? You're making, you're trying not to make the same mistake of going off of a brilliant half season by Grayson Rodriguez. And thus you're, you're, you're cool uh, on him. That's interesting. Um, well, it, <laughs> the funniest part about that, uh, that fireside is that was 2017. I was obsessed completely. So we were both obsessed. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my first articles, I think uh, for you was, five at bats of Luis Castillo and be like, why I love him. We were proven right by the way. Like it was well, obviously the rough point. the very that, next year, like, but it was like one of the more embarrassing podcasts for me because my attitude was like, I don't know how I could do anything different. You know, like I, I don't know because yeah. he is so good. How can we not rank out. these 89 innings in the top 20? What are y'all talking about? <laughs> Yeah, and for those that don't know, he he had a 430 ERA and a 122 whip. Home runs were a big issue in 2018, Uh, but he had a good second half that year as well. We stayed bought in, and now he's an ace. So anyway, continue. It was so funny. Like, after that fireside, he was great. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We spurred him. We were right. Okay. Um, But no, I mean, that that obviously is in my head, but it's also the, you know, Kyle Bland's favorite shirt is process over results. Yes. And, um... It's one of those elements of, okay, cool. What is it that made us interested? What is that thing that we should still focus on? And as you know, we've, we've changed over seven years since then, or uh, 2018 was six. Jesus. Oh my gosh. Look at us. How did we get here? I know. (laughs) Um, But it's different now. We have more information. We have different ways of assessing this stuff, um, which is, I think, better than ever. And uh, I would hope <laughs> if it's like, yeah, we're not going backwards. <laughs> um, but uh, so like the assessments of Luis Castillo, look, I was too in, on, I think, on the sinker at that time. Luis Castillo is a different pitcher now with a four seamer, which is much better. Yep. And, um, you know, the, being a four seamer or really a fastball changeup guy, I'm not as in on as a righty as I used to be. And I think that preached a lot of the volatility. The locations of his sinkers weren't very good at the time, which preached some of that. Um, up and down for him but with Grayson it's a little different because with, what's so interesting I think back then I would have been so in on Grayson 
because I didn't have the information of his ICR and his pitch shape as much as I do now. And the ICR being ideal contact rate, it is to me the best assessment of batted ball quality. Um, so if you look at a hard hit rate and barrel rates and average allowed, all that stuff, no, I don't care. I just care about ICR, which is ideal contact rate, which essentially you have two types of batted balls in my view. The ones that are a 60% or higher chance of a hit and ones okay. that are well under 20%. And this is data pulled from, from, uh, Savant. from Savant. Yes. yes. And uh, those that are above 60% are like flares and burners, and uh, which is like super hard into the ground, or those ones that are those doinks that are really annoying. Mm-hmm. And then you have your solid contact, and then you have your barrels, right? Um, and ICR to me is like the best predictor of like hits allowed, essentially, in this way. And his ICR and his four seamer, you generally want like 40% or lower. Like the elite ones are always underneath 40%. This was 48% ICR, which is like absurdly bad. And that Wait, was this, in pardon the me, time this when he for, came back. This is for Grayson, yeah, because it was yeah. 54 for the year. And you're saying yeah. that his ICR was 48, 48% during the good stretch? Yes. Wow, I did not. Yes, <laughs> but the thing is, the, 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 the slider and the change were both excellent at this. Mm-hmm. But I'm watching this being like, how could that be? It's like 98 like this should be, you know, I would have watched this before. I'm like, no, no, this fast is going to be great. You know, don't worry. Oh, about yeah. It. And maybe it still will, you know, but that has me spooked. That has me as a situation of like, wait, maybe this four seamer shape, in, which isn't like exceptional, I would say. It, it's fine, but it's not as good as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can like really lean in on Grayson because a four seamer is getting crushed as much as it is. And it's not like Spencer Striders, which has a higher than you'd want ICR, like 44%. But you got to keep in mind that's only when it's in play. And which, Spencer that's Strider the thing. has such high for, uh, it's never strike in play. on his. Right. Yeah. So, but Grayson isn't getting that like 15% swing strike right on his four seamer yet. No, he's like, right? 12, he's not, he's not at that. Right. So, wait, hold on a second. And the really the whole new. The new uh, Bitcoin, I'm calling it truly Bitcoin now, Spore. Money pitch was before, right? That was O swing, Z Z rate, zone rate, and swing strike rate. That was Mm -hmm. really me trying to do these three, which is actually uh, swing strike rate, strike rate, and ICR rate. And that Mm -hmm. is now Bitcoin because it's the modern money pitch. I know we called it it. really good before, but now now that's a Bitcoin pitch, okay? And those three are like, if you are able to be 65% or higher on your strike rate, if you're able to be um, sub 40% or really sub 35%, that'd be amazing. And then above 15% or really 20% swing strike rate. Those are like, oh my gosh, pitches. And yes. Grayson's kind of struggling outside the strike rate on that four seamer. So uh, I don't love that being like the main thing for him. And that, that's why I'm kind of tepid on Grayson because I had him like at... 11 or 12 thinking that four seamers so good and then the secondaries are going to be even better and now i'm like well maybe the four seamers isn't actually that good yeah so you got know. me uh you got me a little you know cautious here now reconsidering my 15th ranking because i was a big fan i love that love the return from the miners after he got blitzed in may um, i think what's lost a little bit in, in grayson's season was that he actually started fine april was not bad um, you know, his second start was a little crummy. I think Oakland hilariously ripped him. Uh, but yeah, if you look at it, own, like, how can you? <laughs> yeah. Like, how are you giving up anything to Oakland? But like, um, if you look at that, you know, he faced my tigers twice. So that certainly helped. And he closed with 10 shutout innings against them. But the first month was not bad. 407 ERA, 289 FIP. Okay. We're, we're rolling. 
But then the home run barrage yeah. in May was what set everything in motion. Three against KC, in KC, by the way, two against Tampa, two against the Angels, one at Toronto, three against Texas at home. Boom, go to the minors for uh, two months almost. Comes back, one of the best pitchers in baseball from that stretch. I got to be honest, though, I did not dig into the specific pitch metrics of particularly his fastball uh, for Grayson Rodriguez to see that it had not improved the way everything else did. I knew the secondaries had because the strikeout rate was there and just kind of eye test. You're watching those games and like, wow, this guy's on. Uh, but with that fastball volatility, does that maybe I mean, I don't want to go too much over an inning and two thirds. But did you see any of that in the ALDS game when he got smoked <laughs> by Texas? Yeah, right. Um, maybe so they I, were I clocking wanna, that fastball. So I, I do want to clarify here. Uh, so I have like a so we have this PLV app, which is amazing from the, the Kyle Bland made. Mm -hmm. uh, and what's so cool about it is I, I requested like, hey, can you do a date range? You know, and he's like, yeah, sure. Uh, and he added it like that night because he's the best. So I actually right now have pulled up um, from like July 1st, moving on on just that four seamer. And I will share this inside of uh, inside of the PitchCon stuff for you guys to see. And, you know, I'm maybe being actually a little too aggressive against it. It's not as bad as I thought, um, which is why I'm really happy that I'm sharing this now for everybody. So this is uh, this is Grayson Rodriguez's um, uh, four seamer. And the extension is the cool thing, right? The 7.2 is really good. I think the thing that scared me the most is that this is below average IVB at 14.5. You yeah, want to see like see 16 there. and above, right? And the thing is like Zach Wheeler, his four seamer is one of the best out there without amazing IVB. It's like 15, but his, I his VAA is better than the 1.2. It's like close to like 1.4 or so. He has okay. that same elite extension, same velocity and command as well. And that's the other aspect of this. This is uh, Grayson Rodriguez's um, heat maps on his four seamer. He stays away middle to lefties. And let me tell you, if there's anything that I hate, it is middle away four seamers to either side of the plate. Like, just don't do that. That's where pitches get crushed a ton. So especially if, if you miss, right? Like it, your margin for error is, you poke it out yep. with a bat. You, it's a flat one. It's easy, right? And with his VAA, which is actually above average, I'll take a 1.2 all day. That's fine. If it's 1.4, then we go, oh boy, you know? Um, let's say the Vince McMahon thing, which actually, you know, I'm not going to do that reference anymore. Not him anymore. Yeah, right. I would. It's that. funny when you said that yesterday. I was like, I wonder if he knows. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, don't, knew, we don't like, reference him night, anymore. I was like, oh gosh, you know. Um, but uh, but right. So sorry about that. But middle away fastball is not what you want to do against lefties, and he did that a ton, which would explain a bit the ICR. And you can actually see in the seat map too that um, Grace Rodriguez is. Too much in the zone with his forcing. He's not really going upstairs with it. He is inside the zone, but not out of it nearly as much as we would want. Yeah. So, so then I'll even say, okay, cool. There's bad IVB on Grayson Rodriguez's forcing. We don't like that, but it is elite velocity, 97, 98. It is elite extension, which obviously helps with the secondaries too. Um, and the VA isn't so bad. So maybe I'm being too harsh on this. And maybe it's more of me seeing the results of the 48% ICR. And the low IVB that's saying, okay, in these locations, are like, are those, are we going to see the location be good enough to overcome the IVB that the ICR then comes down? Right. I don't and, know. And that's the thing. Like, there could be growth. I think the point here with all, and, you know, Grayson again wasn't even on our game plan to talk about, but with all four of these pitchers, is you have to pay the, the full freight. So, like, yeah. yeah, the projection might come. The, the the development might come for Glassnow's innings and for Scooble's uh, slutter, if you will, uh, combining slider and cutter, um, and for for Grayson's fastball. 
but you have no wiggle room. Like right. you, even Grayson is down here at pick 64. That is still pretty high price to pay for somebody who has a half season of quality. Right, right. And it's uh it's hard. I I'm I think I just even convinced my own self, been like, okay, get a little bit more in Don Grayson. Like they've got to fix that a little bit. And at least he's got I, two secondaries that are legit. I, think. I I quite like him, but I again yeah. you 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 did open my eyes to the fastball struggles ah. here in the second half that I had glossed over. Totally. I don't think I'm gonna move him down, but I, I've got him at fifteen. Um again, that's a huge premium to pay for somebody with so little innings. I think I'll have him more I think I'll have him over at least Glasnow. Oh, maybe not. I don't know. Oh, guys, it's so hard. At least over Tarek Skubal. I'm going to say that. Okay. I have Grayson above that. Yamamoto. Oh, it's safer, but it's fewer innings. And the ceiling is going to be a little bit more limited than Grayson because Grayson could just go every five days into like 170, 180 innings. I totally think he could go a buck 80 right? yep. uh, without even like a ton of pressure, right? Like he right. threw 163 last year. It's just not that yeah. inconceivable that he goes the full freight. Um, so yeah, I have him over Yamamoto right now. I got them all right next to each other though. It's glass. Now 12 scuba, 14 Grayson, 15 Yamamoto, 16 in my current rankings. Right. But yeah, sorry. This is the thing guys. I'm honest with y'all. <laughs> I'm like, absolutely not Grayson. No way. Wait, actually hold on. <laughs> no. And if you're not like, I don't know. And it, it's, we can get into a whole bunch of stuff about like rankings and, and wanting to stand your ground on things versus taking in new information yeah, and being open. I, I don't, I don't need to stand ground. Like I'll make changes when I see things yeah, that we've had are worth making changes. Like exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I'm certainly open to that. Like I said, I'm going to cool a little bit on Scooble. By the way, I brought up the, uh, the projections on the, you know, the big innings totals with Scooble. Projections are part of why Scooble's price is on fire too. Mm. Um, he is projected by the auction calculator earned $27. That puts him oh, on a par wow. with Pablo Lopez. So you're not even wow. going to get the dose of cold water that projections would normally offer. That's on a par with Zach Wheeler, by the way, who I have ranked fourth. So usually, you know, like Bobby Miller, I love him. I'm, a, I'm right. obsessed. But people could say, oh, let me go to the projections. They're going to give me a little dose of cold water. He's only projected for eight bucks, which I think is mm -hmm. crazy. But that's neither here nor there. But with Scooble, you're getting you're getting total um, confirmation bias of like, oh, the, the projections are with me too, and projections are right. usually more cautious. So, how do you navigate something like that if you're if you're drafting where you're in on somebody, but you know it's scary, and the projections back it up? Because that's usually yeah. supposed to be the the, the pull down. Uh, well, projections, I can't. Uh, projections are cool because for me, it's. Um, for me, when it comes to projections, they're really good at suggesting. They're good mm -hmm. at like, hey, understand why this is happening in this way. Yeah. And then I then I fine tune from there. Twenty seven dollar value for Tarek Skubal is just I can't do that. Um, and they, they they again need to come at one number, right? They're not saying that this is the number. They're saying that this is just kind of the amalgamation of everything. Um, exactly and it's really hard to stick to that in some way if you feel like okay you know what the the risk of this the intra sd as uh as ariel cohen would say with atc is just not yep. it for me then great then you can adjust it accordingly which is uh you know if you go and watch the auction um auction panel that i uh, that ariel cohen did his the art and science of it i highly recommend that one i saw that in florida last year and i demanded that he does, does it for pitchcon taught me so much and at the end of the day, when it comes to projections, if you disagree with it, just change the dollar value to whatever you think is appropriate 
and then go into your draft with that dollar, right? Yeah. Uh, so for Tarek Scoobal, it's not going to be 27 for me, but there's going to be something, obviously. I'm not going to say like, no, I wouldn't take it for $1. Like, okay, no. So then no. let's figure out where that is. But it's just not going to be a 27 for me. So perhaps part of this is the relative uncertainty that kind of plagues the upper tiers in general right now. I think part of it is a changing of the guard, right? Like we still have yeah. stalwarts like Cole and Wheeler up top. I guess, you know, even a guy like Castillo is now a pretty full-fledged oh, yeah. veteran, Gosman. We talked Webb Valdez. But even Strider's only, what, a year plus into his excellence, and he's the number one guy off the board, even ahead of Cole, believe yeah. it or not. And then you start to get into that second tier, and it is Pablo Lopez who, you know, talent is there, but shoulder was always a concern. We're not 100% out of the woods with that. That can lurk up. That can crop up at any moment. Sure. I'm not projecting it. I hope it does not happen, but it's always lingering. Yeah. Glass now, Miller, Scooble, Grayson, Yamamoto, Freed's health, um, Nola's ERA, uh, Gilbert is kind of steady, boring. Zach Eflin's done it for one year. That whole tier has giant questions. Yeah, good old warts, baby. Let's go. <laughs> And so is is that part of why people are saying, well, give me just the sky high potential yeah. then. If if everyone has a question, I love Max Freed, but I don't need his 8Ks per nine. Let me shoot the moon for 12Ks per nine. I know we use K percentage, but I'm just using K9 right now no, for the fine. sake of ease. Easy. But like, yeah. let me shoot for Glassnow's 13 and just pray that I get the 150 inning season. Do you think there's any of that influence because of the lack of stability throughout most of the upper pitching ranks. I right can now. understand that a ton. I put out a tweet that was 15 of the top 31 uh, pitchers in ADP last year had fewer than 25 starts. Wow. Right? Isn't that wow. shocking? And you know what else is kind of funny too? All the while that this is happening, the reigning NL Cy Young is A, unsigned, but B, the only one that everyone's taken like a real you know close focus on and like really trying to be cautious with him it's funny how snell is kind of like no one wants to throw caution but he can't do that again he walked that tight rope he's gonna walk everybody again and this whip's gonna go through the roof and yet we're taking all these chances on the dodgers guys and scooble and listen everyone knows i love snell like we're Twitter friends. I don't want to overestimate our, our friendship. I'm in the bag for him, but I do think it's funny how he gets all this scrutiny and so many other guys that don't have sure. two Cy Youngs on their ledger are, are skating essentially. Yeah. I think that's uh, what's interesting about it to me is there's like injury versus skills almost. Yes. Um, and where do you come out on that, that, that you would be more safe, be more willing to bet on at the I high I think end? I'd be more, I, I always want to bet on health than I do want to skills. Same. Just yep, because like if there's a question is like health, then it's like great, then I get quality still. I know yep. I'm getting it, it's just how much of it. And I, and I could get lucky there. with the innings. Right. And then when it comes to skill, it with Snell, it's like he's obviously skilled. Um you, you can't have a one, two year A uh without like skill. Like <laughs> it's not luck all there, guys. Like sure that you got fortune in some ways, but you did that. And that one two year A was over, I think what, seventeen starts? Uh, yeah, a huge year. run. How it's much stupid. do you believe in the uh, purposefulness behind a lot of his walks to say, well, I'm, I'm down 3-1. Oh, yeah. First one, it's to, to to say, like, this is by design. And it was. Um, yeah, I think I actually use the exact phrase, walking the tightrope with, with Snell, because it's like, it's really hard to do that. Yeah. And he was in such a good rhythm, especially with his changeup, um, that, uh, that allowed him to do it. But man, is it hard to replicate. I feel like Snell's been trying to do that for ages, and it, I'm glad it worked out as it did for him. I'm mm -hmm. really glad. It was so awesome to see it. It is tough to do 
for another full year or at least just 17 starts again. Right. So we weren't like, we weren't ecstatic about Snell for the first six weeks, seven weeks of last year. No, there was Um, actually some pretty harsh critiques for him out there. Like, why did I draft this guy again? Type deal. And like, uh, I put myself through that. You know, you'd see the limitations of fantasy owners saying, I knew I shouldn't have done this. You I, know, I would and get all the comments about it being, you know, why do you have smells up so high? Yeah. Still? Where are you ranking him? I'm going to cut him. All of it. And I get it. Um, we just don't know if it's going to click or not. And there's something to be said about that for me is I'm very much about decisions about, um, I look back at a lot of teams and I often feel I should be quicker on the trigger to cut guys uh, and thinking less about the future and more about now as much mm-hmm. as possible. And that's an independent too. You talk about 10s and 12s, you can go on the wire and you can take chances. And the one thing you have to understand in that, do not be afraid to get things wrong. Meaning you're going to cut somebody that someone else is going to pick up and get value from the same way you're going to pick up somebody else's quote unquote trash that turns into a gem for you. That is the nature of 10s and 12s. If you are afraid to move on from guys, uh, you're probably not going to win in those leagues unless you made the perfect draft. You got to stick and move. Yeah, be a, that's a great way to put it. And um, one of the things that Justin and I learned is mixing 10s and 12 team leagues with 15s can be difficult because changing the mindset. I would oh, never man. cut this guy in a 15. He needs to be cut in a 12. That decision point is difficult if you're mixing the leagues. So Justin Flat quit 12s last year. He was 15s only because he wanted to focus on that 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 way of playing Traitor. and <laughs> it, but I, I think there is some sense to it even smart. if it is oh, yeah. even if it is tens right like okay i i excel at tens play the tens none none of the 10 12 15 or whatever size is easier than the other in my opinion i think they all present their own challenges and in those shallower leagues knowing when to cut guys that were like your 12th round pick on may 1st that's viable in a 15 yeah. team. That's probably not viable unless they're really, there's some really extenuating circumstance, but performance can be a reason in a 10 team or to cut your 12th rounder two weeks and three weeks into the yeah. season, maybe not two weeks, but like you got, you got to move, you got to move. And so, uh, yeah. um, I do wonder how many people cut Snell last year. He had a five oh, yeah. ERA through his first 10 starts guarantee. He was popping up on some 10 team waiver wires. Oh, yeah. Um, And I think one of the things that we've uh, navigated through the years on these is like, I'm very much of the 12 team standpoint. Uh, You're much more in the 15. Mm -hmm. It can be really hard for us to properly decide what matters in like that area of like, I call him a Toby. Like, that's value. I'm like, I don't know. And I'm like, that guy's a dude. (laughs) Because in 15 team, you add those three extra teams and and it changes things so much. And so, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's just, oh my gosh. Uh, So it's very, very difficult to discern um, a lot on draft day when it comes to like, okay, no, I got to, I don't, I purposely go out of my way to say like, no. I don't want a hipster, headache-inducing pitcher stifling the entire roster. I don't want my own happiness to be stilted. Even if they come out successful in the end, just the anxiety of the first two months of the year. Yep. So I think that's pushing down Snell more for me because of that. Not to say that he can never do it again. It's very sure. possible that he could. I can also say like it's a contract year a bit, and he's going to be a lot more focused on nailing that uh, in one year. It's a Glenn Colton and the Wolf thing, right? Yep. Uh, and okay, not to say that Snell can't do that. I'm not saying anything about his character in this way. It's just a typical thing that we see. Of course. Um, 
And it's just all those pieces like, yeah, I'll just let someone else sweat that one out. Like how I'll be like, no, Charlie Morton, I'm not going to do this. Mm -hmm. It's going to take you to August next year because every year we add a month to when you finally get it together. Exactly. <laughs> yes, then you finally, and then eventually the months are going to run out yes, after well, finally he retires. <laughs> that, that, that's a decision I made on saves, Nick, about, you mm. know, manage to your strengths. I got tired of the right. saves rat race. So I just started paying for saves. And listen, if you paid for saves last year and it was Edwin Diaz, you caught a I'm bad sorry. one. That doesn't yeah. mean don't pay for saves. If you look back at the recent history, even though the, the workhorse save guys are dwindling, their payout, is stable when paying for saves has delivered the last like six seven years at least that's the only data that i've studied so you talk about managing to not want those hipster pitchers um that's the way i feel about saves you could feel the same way about not wanting to take the risk on scuba so give me fromber i don't want to take the risk on yamamoto so give me uh logan webb or aaron nola or logan gilbert manage to your strengths as a fantasy manager 100%. you don't always have to go with the crowd and i think that's yeah. a great point there that you say that you don't want a hipster like potentially blake snell because here's no. the thing he also ran a 256 babbit which is his second best of his career and i don't need to tell you when the best one was it was his other cy young season when he had a 241. <laughs> other than that he's a career 288 so and 288 isn't even bad like that's still better than average and yet moving back to the 288 would probably send his whip close so, to 1.3 that is true but part of the design i would say about him not nibbling uh, but nibbling around and walking guys is his ability to then make them swing on pitches that are absolutely hit number one mistake rate in the majors was blake wow Snell, that's Cal incredible Blank. he made the fewest and mistake rate is two times the chance of allowing a hit so that's a new plv stat where i'm rolling this year but like that was so eye-opening about it's not just he's just throw, allowing walks like oh i lost this guy go ahead no it's every single time he's just not throwing that mistake pitch that other guys are so that's the ability he had in 2018 had it last year too but number one mistake rate he wasn't that in 2022 yeah uh, so we'll see how that pans and also framber valdez that sinker to right he's just will always drive me insane but yeah, he's still good. So fine. I I, I, I fine. do love him. By the way, I swear I looked at the clock like two minutes ago and it was 930. <laughs> and I was like, what was the third thing we were going to pick? Like some sort of pitchers. And now it's 10 on one. Yeah. So we are we are done. We don't have yeah, to we, continue. We're done. Uh, Spore, it's, it's been great doing another fireside chat with you. It's been absolutely wonderful, Nick. PitchCon, a rousing success yet again. Even with uh, basically two full days left here, crush the goal already. We're at 10765 bucks with a $10,000 goal. So everything Amazing. the rest of the way is gravy. Going for some great causes. Get that here for ALS. Our great friend Sarah Langs in the baseball industry battling that uh, horrendous disease. And so all this money that you're raising, all this amazing content that you're putting out, you're doing a great job with it, man. I love this you so much. Me. You're the this best. This isn't me. This is a product of the community. People like you as well. It you're is, but back. you're still the king. I will be oh, back. I will be back tomorrow. <laughs> we'll be back uh, we're tomorrow. Talking some yeah. ADP hitters, right? Yeah, exactly right. You have a, a new addition as well. We have uh, Toby Gavin is going to be their bath at crazy uh, with Joe Rico. That and, panel uh, is insane too. now. So By the good. way, um, are you going to know any of the players that we're talking about? No. So this is why I have this panel so I can learn things. There you go. Okay. We will teach you some fun stuff with the ADP battles for hitters. But thank you so much, Nick, for joining me by the fireside to talk some intriguing young pitchers.